Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Let's say our declaration, all right? Here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. So let's get ready to align our heart with the word of God this morning. Um, so I, if you are a part of Destiny, I'm assuming that you uh, got our email that we sent out to you this week. Uh, Quentin, he's, re- he's accepted a position at uh, Daphne United Methodist Church as their music director. And so today and next Sunday are going to be his last uh, two Sundays with us. And uh, the, I'm, I, I don't have very many kids in the room, so I can use this word. I didn't use this earlier, but I'll use it in this, word, in, in this room with this crowd, okay? Listen, don't say anything dumb to Quentin. Don't say anything stupid to Quentin, all right? We bless Quentin as he's moving into this new season. And church people can just say some dumb stuff. I ain't, I'm a church person. I can say some dumb stuff too. But, you know, sometimes we'll say stuff and we'll be like, oh, are you sure it's got, you know, just, oh, I, I hate I even said that as an example. You know, the thing is, is that I know this. Quentin is a praying man. I know Quentin hears from the Lord, and he's told me he's heard from the Lord. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, come on in from the back of the room. We're talking about you. And, uh, and I, I said, you know, so we honor you. We celebrate you. And uh, Quentin, just stand up right there real quick. And, and Sierra, stand up with him, because I don't think you heard me say this this morning. I want to say this, and I'll say it really about both of you. Um, but Quentin... One of the men on the planet, and I already told you this, that I respect, is my dad. He's gone. He's in heaven. But, like, he was such a good, godly man. And I promise you, I I challenge anybody, not because he's my dad, but just because that's the way he lived. I never heard him talk down about anybody. I never heard him say a negative word about anybody. He was a servant. He was a giver. He was like, dude, he was an amazing man that you literally could not find fault in him. I mean, obviously, you know you can. But when I think of him, I think you were that same kind of person. Like, brother, I'm telling you, I don't know of a fault in you. You are a man of integrity. You are a man of of of, of wisdom, uh, of maturity for your age. It's just amazing, and I want to thank you for how you've supported me, how you have uh, how you have honored me and my family and this church. Uh, how you've walked in integrity in so many instances. Like, I love you. I appreciate what you have brought to this house over your past six years that you've been with us. And we celebrate you. You're only going to be about six miles. Maybe not even that far. Maybe about four miles that way. And um, But you are always a part of this house. 
and we claim you as ours, you know, and uh, we're going to let you go and you're going to minister and you're going to be a part of that family, but you will always be a part of Destiny Church. We love you, brother. We love you. God bless y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I just caught a thought and I'm just, you know, I'm just because I, I told you don't do something stupid. So I just caught a stupid thought that I was fixing to come out there. Uh, so turning your Bibles, Acts chapter 1. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. If you've been in the faith for a while, please don't tune out today's message. Because, yeah, I know this already. I, you know, you can probably quote Acts chapter 1 and 2 portions of it by heart. Don't, don't close out uh, your your teachability, your hearing, your receptiveness of what God's going to do today. All right, so Acts chapter 1 and 2, we'll read a few verses of Scripture. And then we're also going to read some, I believe, well, I think I have this on the screen. Uh, So Matthew chapter 3, I'm going to read a little bit from there. So in this series that we're calling Hills to Die On, we're talking about things that the church cannot afford to let die and that we have to fight for these things. We have to take a stand for these things. We cannot let these things die. We have to share these things with the next generation of our kids. Because each time we don't share it, we we uh, allow the next generation to have a weaker viewpoint or foundation in it. And church, if I could just be so blunt with you a lot of times we want to complain about the next generation when they are a product of our training before we complain about the next generation we need to take a strong hard look at what we have done or not done that have has allowed that to happen and so these hills to die on I, let me see if i can remember them Uh, We talked about God's word, like God's word is our source of truth, not the media, not even what you think. What does God's word? You're thinking, that's why we say, you know, that I'm going to align my word with the heart, with God's holy word. Because everything I do, all the ways of righteousness that I think need to flow out of that, not what Grandma Susie taught you. Now, Grandma Susie might have taught you some good stuff and and right stuff, but there's a possibility that she could have taught you some wrong stuff too. So your stuff needs to all be lined up with the Word. Everything that I say today to you has to line up with the Word of God. So we talked about that, and we talked about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about we can't let the gifts of the Spirit die on us. And guys, they have died, dried up in some churches. Some churches don't even teach that those are active in the church anymore. We talked about uh, God's model of sexuality. And, um, and so, you know, we've, we've got to, you know, not let the media redefine what that looks like. God has a design for male and female, and this is his design for marriage. And when we were getting ready to uh, 
to put this online and hear me because the person is in the room that I'm about to, uh, to talk about. And this is, this is not indicative of you. It's indicative of culture. And, you, and this person was just making me aware that, hey, Pastor Wright, culture feels this way. So are you sure before we put this online that you don't want to tweak anything? Uh, and, and, and this is what, what uh, the, mess, the, the point I'm trying to make. They said, since this is such a hot button topic, are you sure that this is the right title for the message that you want? And here's where, where I think, like, wow, when did sexuality that... A man is a man, and a woman is a woman, and God designed those two to be together. When did that become a hot-button topic? Not for us, but you understand what he was saying, right? The world, that is a hot-button topic. You can't say that anymore. My God. Church, we cannot let that die. We cannot, as the church, the world is not going to wake up one day and go, yeah, we give up. You're right. They're going to have that distorted, perverted view from now until Jesus comes. So I'm just letting you know, be on notice, that you have to teach godly model of that in your house, to your kids, to your grandkids. And so today, I want to talk to you about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. That means 50 days after the resurrection, that the festival of Pentecost happened, that God uh, unleashed His Spirit. In other words, He outpoured His Spirit, poured it out on the church. And We're going to read that in just a little bit in Acts chapter 1, but that's what we're celebrating today or we're talking about today. That's what Quentin was reading to us from the very beginning of our service uh, about. That that's today what we're talking about, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I came into the church when I was 15 years old. I didn't come into to Christ through a Baptist church or a Methodist church or an Episcopalian. Or I came into the church, into a Pentecostal church. And, buddy, it was rip-snorting. I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I mean, people are running around the rooms. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. And um, I remember... Bringing people to church, friends to church, going, God, please don't move today. Please don't move. My friend is with me today. Please don't move. Don't, don't do anything spiritual today, God. And there was a lot of stuff that happened that we called spiritual that wasn't. And this is not to beat down Pentecostal because I still, I hate labels. I really do. Like, you know, somebody made a label called Pentecostal, and they, you know, took it from Acts chapter 1. They made a label called Charismatics and put that, you know, from the gifts of the Spirit, Charismata, the Greek word, out of that word. And, you know, we got all these different labels that we put on things, and I'm like, man, we should just be followers of Christ, believers, and what the Bible says that that should look like, that's what we should look like. 
And yeah, I mean, you can call yourself whatever you want to, but at the end of the day, we're believers and we are full gospel, full everything here. That's what we are. And I remember growing up at times and I would be ashamed of some of the things that would happen in church and maybe rightfully so. And I believe that there are times where we didn't have good biblical teaching on what the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what the gift of the Holy Spirit, what the gifts looked like. Now, there's no way to get away from this that the gifts of the Spirit are strange. They just are. Why? Because they're not natural. They're supernatural. In other words, they're outside of the realm of what we do in and of ourselves. And so it makes it special. The gifts of the Spirit are special. Holy Spirit is special. Any type of moving is special. And so anyway, you know, when we, when we are talking about moving in a supernatural environment, you have to understand that we are coming into this building and you're not coming to hear a motivational speaker. You're not coming to hear a band and some singers. You can do that at Mobile Civic Center when you pay to go to a concert somewhere or over in Biloxi or where, Atlanta or wherever you go for that. You know, uh, you can go and, 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 and Tony Robbins is a famous uh, motivational speaker. You can pay, you know, just hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars to go see these people. But that's not what we come in this room today. You come into this room and you experience a supernatural, a bigger than people God. That he's bigger, like I'm a normal person. They, the musicians, they're normal people. You're normal. We're all normal. But when Holy Spirit works through us and in us, we become super normal. In other words, supernatural. And that's why we come here. I'm just going to be uh, uh, honest with you. Like, there's folks here that, you know, I enjoy hanging out with you and we have a good time. But, like, if there wasn't something supernatural here that was happening, I'd rather sleep in on Sunday morning. And you and I can get together sometime during the week or whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, this gathering is for the purpose of encountering a supernatural God. And so when we come into services like this, there are going to be some weirdnesses that happen that may not be happening in other places where you might be. It doesn't mean that it can't happen, but this is a sh this should be a super saturated spiritually speaking. You are, are you following me? Like in here, like out there in the crowd where you go, you're going to operate in a different way in your sphere of influence. But in here, it would be nothing to see discernment and wor uh, word of knowledge and wisdom and maybe tongues or interpretation of tongues and maybe even supernatural faith and maybe a miracle. Like, like this is where you just see all of that stuff and it's happening everywhere all over this building and the kids area and whatnot. But out there where you are, when you carry Holy Spirit out there, it's not a super saturated 
People are out there, they're committing adultery. You know, they, they are all kind of sin in their lives, mindsets, you know, just psychic. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on and all of these demonic things coming in. So when you are going out there, dude, you truly are light. In darkness. And you're taking what Holy Spirit has here. You're taking it out there into that realm. And it doesn't mean that you can't prophesy over people. It doesn't mean that you can't have a word of knowledge. Wisdom, discernment, any of those things. That you can't see miracles happen out there. All of that can happen. It just may look different than it happens in here. And so as we talk about... Holy Spirit today, I want to just, uh, I I want you to go with me, let's read Acts chapter 1, and I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 1, in verse 4, are you ready? Let's start at 1, verse 1. In my first book, Luke is talking, he says, in my first book, he means Luke, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen disciples further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, so 40 days he's going back and forth around uh, Jerusalem, Galilee, he says he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And in verse 4, it says, Once, while he was eating with them, he commanded them, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Or some versions say, until you receive the promise. As I told you before, John baptized with water... But in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, so he's, he's making a distinction. John baptized in water. What John's doing out there is one re- baptism. Over here is a different one that's coming. So stay in Jerusalem because it's coming. It hasn't come yet. It's coming. All right? And then I want you to jump down to verse 8. Jesus is still talking to the disciples here, and he says... Now, when you're in Jerusalem, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling everybody about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is really important. Look at me real quick. So he says, you're going to receive power. Not you're going to go to the gym and work out and get strong. Not you're going to study up on your skills and you're going to improve academically. Not something that's in you. Like you don't have this ability in you. He's saying you're going to receive power. The Greek word there is dunamis. You're going to receive power. It's something you don't have. It's a supernatural, miracle-working power. You don't have it now, but when you go there and wait on Holy uh, on God... He is going to send it, and you'll receive it, and you will be able to do things then that you can't do now. So he says, I want you to receive this power in Jerusalem. Now let's jump over to Acts 2, 1 through 4. So 
we were just, he was just telling the disciples, I want you to go to Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem. But now they're in Jerusalem in verse 1 of chapter 2. So on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like. Imagine how, stop for a second. Imagine how Luke is trying to explain this. They've never seen it before. They don't know what to call. Have you ever been trying to explain something to somebody and you don't have the words and you're going like, I I guess the best I could say is it sort of looked like a, and you're just trying to paint a word picture. That's what he's trying to do here to the believers. And he says, what happened is, man, there was, there was a wind and it filled the house where everybody was. And in verse three, it says, and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire. Like as a kid, when I was listening to this, that sounded so weird a way that he would explain it like tongues of fire. But he's just trying to come up with a first century way to describe it. And he says it sort of looked like fire and in a way it looked like, you know, tongues. Like, it's just crazy. And verse 4 says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now you'll have certain people. Some people are just. Don't, let me just say it this way. Some people. They're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to go that far. Some people are like. I don't care. I trust you. Some people are just lazy. They just won't go into the word. But if you'll let me. I'll teach you a little bit. Like. You'll have some people will say, well, they spoke, there was something supernatural there that happened. And they spoke in another language that was a known language. Because if you get down here and read it a little more, it says, hey, they heard people from uh, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, different places. Like, they heard the languages that those people speak. So they were real languages that spoke. But if you look in other places, like Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20, they spoke in other tongues that were not languages that anybody knew. They were a heavenly language. And I'm just, you know, in in America, our first language, or sorry, in the United States, our first language is English. And when we have people that come here, you know, they need to learn English. But my wife is a teacher. And uh, even though she's not serving in that profession right now, she teaches English as a second language. Who's their second language to? People that aren't from here. So their first language is German or Korean or, uh, or Spanish. And they have to pick up English as their second language. It's not their primary language. It's their second language. Do you understand that when we go to heaven, we're going to have to somebody to to teach us uh, TSL. Tongues as a second language. You know what I'm saying? Like, we ain't going to be speaking English there. They're not going to be speaking French. 
Or maybe they all will and somehow God's just got a translation system that we all know what each other's saying. But we are going to understand each other. I truly believe that the scripture uh, teaches us that there is a language. That there's a language in heaven. And it's a spiritual prayer language. And to me, I don't understand why people have a difficult time understanding that. To me, that's just common sense. And it's a little bit arrogant for you to think that your native tongue is what's going to be spoken in heaven. Because God made English and Spanish and German. He made all of them. You know what? You understand what I'm saying? Like all languages are special to him, but there is a language. And so they were speaking in other tongues and I want, you to, I, I want you to look at this scripture because here's what happened. These people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But let's look at the scripture where Jesus is being baptized. All right? So in Matthew chapter 3, um, verses 13 through 17, Jesus is coming to John the Baptist. He's baptizing. John is baptizing people in the Jordan. Jesus comes to get baptized. What? He is God. Why does he need to be baptized? I want you to look at this. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it, saying, Listen, man, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Think about this for a second. He's saying, listen, there is a proper way to do things. And God has a proper way to do things. That's going to be important for you to remember that later in the message here in just a minute. There is a proper way to do things. There is an order, he's saying. And listen, I'm not going to bypass the steps to righteousness. I'm God. I don't have to do this. But I'm gonna. Are you following me? Satan, when he took Jesus up into the temple and he said, listen, if you throw yourself down, you know that there will be angels that will catch you before you even get to the bottom. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And Jesus is like, listen, boy, I don't owe you anything. He's like, there's a proper way to do this, and that is not the way, and I'm going to go to the cross. I don't need to take your shortcut to whatever kingdom you might have to offer me. And so he's saying there's a right way to do this. And so John agreed to baptize him, and after his baptism, so what's he doing? He's getting baptized in water. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, and the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. You need to remember the word settling, because I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. So what happened is the Spirit, the, the heavens open. Jesus is coming up out of the water. The heavens open and a dove did not descend from heaven. If you know anything about English or how this is written, he saw what... Go back to what Luke was saying. Luke's like, I don't know, man. It looked like to me like 
fire, tongues of fire, tongues, fire. What's happening is Matthew here is writing and he's like, dude, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down. And it, I, I, I mean, it's delicate and it's just kind of, I don't, it's flowed. It sort of kind of looked like a dove. Are you following me? It wasn't a dove. I know we put that in pictures. It wasn't a dove. He's just coming up with the best language that he can to describe a supernatural experience. And he says, so after this, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son who brings me great joy. Some of your versions say, oh, he brings me so much peace, so much joy, so much peace. I love this guy. God is just showing him how much he loves him. Now, look, I want you to look at this. When Holy, remember I said, remember settles, he came upon him. He settled upon him. When Holy Spirit settles, when Holy Spirit descends, when Holy Spirit comes upon, the Greek word for that for come, or came upon, or settles, is erkomai. And that word means to make an appearance. Oh my God, this gets me so excited. It means to establish, to make known, to officially endorse. What happened that day is that God is baptizing his son in Holy Spirit. So God baptized his son in Holy Spirit. God shows up and says, Hey, I just want to make y'all aware. I could have sent Gabriel to announce this. I could have sent Michael to announce it. But I just kind of peeled back heaven for a moment and peeked out and said, This is my beloved son. I am proud of that guy. He makes me so happy. I am so pleased of you. God shows up personally, endorses him, officially sets him forth in the ministry. And establishes him. Now here's where you and I should get excited. Go back to Acts chapter 1. When it says. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon. Oh Jesus. When he comes upon you. In other words. When he ercomies you. When he settles on you. Guess what? It's the same situation that God did in Matthew chapter 3. God is saying that when you are baptized. Baptized in the Holy Spirit, God peels back the uh, the portal of heaven and says, "Hey, I just want y'all to know that guy down there that I'm filling with my Spirit. I officially endorse him. I'm setting him on a firm foundation. Today, I make it known that he is mine, and I have sealed him, and he is established. I'm just telling you, man. When you think." That God baptized his son and then Jesus turns around and baptizes us with the same power and authority that he has. That's what, where I, that brings me to this point that I want to drive home to you today. That when Jesus, Jesus baptizes me with the same power that God the Father baptized him with. In other words, I have the same power and authority That Christ has. The same power. And the same authority. 
I'm telling you what, guys, we have people that are not living within the fullness of their baptismal rites of the Spirit. Because I tell you, I see this sometimes in my own family. Something will happen and we immediately go to a dark place. Are you following me? When we should, being confident because I've been ericomide. I've been established. I've been set forth. I've been publicly acknowledged. I've been empowered. I have the ability to look at the enemy and say, not today, Satan. No, you're not going to bring that up in here. You're not going to do that today. You're not going to do that in my family. You're not going to do that. Remember I told you earlier in the service today that your emotions... God is working everything for our good, even when it might not feel good. You got to override the emotions. You have to override. You have to pull down those thoughts that would go against your intellect. This, your heart, what you know. And you, you take authority over it and you say, this is not going to happen on my watch. And listen, I don't have time to get it, get, go, go in depth here. But there are some people... That they will misuse their power and they will misuse their authority. And I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings in this room. But there are some things that we declare life or, or, or prosperity back into that God's let that die. And there's a reason that it died. There is a reason that that's not prospering. There is a reason that that relationship has, 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 has gone. But we'll, we'll, I de- we'll get people like, man, they'll, they'll get this thing and they'll be like, I declare. They'll get their religious voice on. You know what I'm saying? They'll get their religious voice on. I declare and I decree. And it's like, man, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Because a lot of times, God, that is not God's will. And we'll be declaring and decreeing. And I, I, I'm just telling you, you can declare and you can decree in a religious mindset and spirit all you want. But if God's made his mind up that it ain't going to happen and he's got something else. Even Jesus did this, man. In the garden, he's like, now, Father, if you can come up with another plan. Because I've been on the earth for 33 years now. And I've been sitting at a lot of those crucifixions, and it it don't look pleasant. He prayed it one time, two times, three times. And at the end of it, he said, nevertheless, not my will, God, but yours. I submit my will to yours. Surely God wouldn't want his son to, to suffer like that. He did. He did. It was necessary. Are you following me? So be careful what you take authority over and what you try to use power against. Make sure you're not working against God. At the end of the day, and I know, I know it may sound wimpy to you, but at the end of the day, I pray a lot of prayers and I say, God, this is what I want. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, if it ain't what I want, I'm going to truck on. I'm going to keep going. I will not f- lose faith in you. I've presented my desires to you. 
And I know at the end of the day, you know better than I do. Your wisdom is higher than my ways and all of this. And God, I still will wake up and I'll still praise you. I still might be struggling with it emotionally. It might take me a week or two or ten to get my act together. But I trust you. 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 And so what allows me to do that? The baptism in the Holy Spirit allows me to have that kind of faith in God. So I want you to look at this real quick. There are three baptisms of maturing believers. And I say maturing believers because everybody in this room, regardless of how old you are in Christ, or physically, you ain't grown yet. You're still growing. We are lifelong learners until you breathe your last breath. You are, and, and, and can I tell you what? You're going to still be learning stuff in heaven. When you see him face to face, that is when... You know, the mysteries of heaven are going to be uh, revealed to you. And I don't think, I mean, this is just me, I don't think you're going to get to heaven and go, whoa, I know everything now. I truly believe we're going to be eternal, not just lifelong, but eternally lifelong learners. There are three baptisms that are pointed out in Scripture. The first is this. Holy Spirit baptizes believers into the body of Christ. If you don't know what the word baptism means, it simply means to immerse. Like if if I had a bucket of water up here, I don't just dip it in it. I, I submerge it. It's completely underwater. Baptizo means to immerse, to completely engulf. Holy Spirit baptizes. He immerses us in the body of Christ. When you are baptized in the body of Christ, that's salvation. And this is the scripture that comes with it. 1 Corinthians tells us this. So, verse 12 uh, chapter 12, verse 13. Some, of the, some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slave, and some are free. In other words, listen, there's all kind of folks. All nationalities, all races, all e- socioeconomic groups. Like, we got them all. But look, but we have been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. When you and I become Christians, we're baptized into this family. You're brought into it. So it's, that's the first baptism. It's a baptism of faith. A baptism of salvation. All right. Second baptism is this. Disciples baptize believers in water. All right. So Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. But disciples, I'm a disciple. You're a disciple. You can baptize somebody in water. It doesn't have to be a preacher, a priest, any clergy. A father can baptize his daughter. You know, I've been, uh, I, I was looking the other day at an old picture of me and um, some of the past ministry that I've been involved in. And I, we had this day where I'm, we had like 34 people to be baptized. And our pastor baptized every single one of them. And he had all these young pastors that we, we never baptized anybody. But he was raised under the tradition that only the pastor could baptize. No, anybody. Disciples. If you're a disciple, then you help dis, you know, create more disciples. You can baptize anybody. 
Many times I don't baptize folks at Destiny Church. Why? Because you need to give other people the opportunity to learn how to do this because they might be on a mission field somewhere. And it's like, man, we got these believers. We need to do something with them. Well, the preacher didn't get to come on this trip, so I guess y'all are out of luck. No, just somebody who's a believer baptized them. All right, so here's the scripture for that. Matthew said, John, I, John speaking, baptized with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his servant and carry his sandals. He, meaning Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. All right, so look, there's three baptisms right here. The first one, Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. The second one, disciples then baptize in water. Just like John was a disciple, he baptized others in water. But look at the third one here. The third one is Jesus baptizes believers in or with the Holy Spirit. So he baptizes. The first one, Holy Spirit is the one doing the action. And he takes a believer and places them into the body of Christ. The second one, disciples, they just baptize in water. And the third one is Jesus now, who has been baptized by God in the Holy Spirit. Now he baptizes believers in the Holy Spirit. And it's the latter part of that verse in Matthew that I just read you. Jesus will baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. I I want you to look at these real quick. Salvation gives us a position in Christ. This is really important, guys. Because that's where most people will just stop in their Well, at least I'm going to heaven. Praise God, I ain't going to go to hell. That's all I need. And that's where people stop. But what what was I talking about? There is a maturity continuum. Like, when you come into knowledge of God, you get a position in the body of Christ. You are saved until you change your mind. You can't get unsaved Can you walk away from God? I totally believe that. I believe that the scripture teaches that. But until you make that decision, until you deny Christ, and I don't mean deny him as in, yeah, I'm just not going to serve him. It's harder to get unsaved than you think it is. Let me just say this. Now, this is going to mess up some people's theology in the room. But it's harder to get unsaved than you think it is. When you were in the body of Christ, you were in the body of Christ forever. I'm going to say this again, and this is going to rock somebody's salvation. You can even be, quote, away from the Lord, and you still can go to heaven. I, I know this is rocking some people's religion in the room. Listen, it's a position. My son... My daughter, they can do things that are breaking my heart, disappointing me. And it doesn't matter. They are in my family. They are in my family. The only thing, the only thing that would change that for the believer is for me to have a mind change where I would become what? Uh, we call an apostate, meaning I totally 
deny Christ, not in, uh, well, I'm just not living for the Lord right now. I'm telling you, bro, y'all are looking at me like, Jesus, I'm not ever coming back to this church. It's just because we've been taught wrong. I was talking to a guy. I'll come back to apostate in a second. I was talking to an a, a old boy one day down here at Ruby Tuesdays, and he came out and he heard my conversation with another guy in the church or, or in the restaurant, and he came out there and he said, Sir, can I have a, can I have a word with you? And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? started talking to me, started telling me about his life. And he said, you know, I grew up in the church. And he said, you know, I, I know that there's, you know, I know that the Lord's real. And he's like, I'm not living for him right now. Okay, hypothesize with me for a moment. That guy gets in his truck. He pulls out onto Highway 98. He gets hit by a semi, killed instantly. Where does he go? Absolutely heaven all day long. Why? Because he's part of the family. He was saved into it. He has a position in Christ. All right. Rewind. Rewind. Because I I know some of y'all are going, I've never heard this before, or this is false teaching. I don't believe this or agree with it. That's fine. You have an ability. You have the right to question everything that I'm saying. But rewind. Hypothesize with me again. What if we're talking to that guy, me and him, and he says, um, yeah, I was raised in church. Um, Yeah, I just don't believe that anymore. And uh, God's just not real. I'm sorry, there is no God. Do you see the difference? One is... I'm in relationship, it's distant, it's broken, it's not as close as I should be. I know I'm not right. The other is a complete, flat-out denial. And that is what we call an apostate. That if he pulls out now on Highway 98, gets hit by that semi, he dies. Where does he go? He goes to hell because he has totally denied the Father. The scripture where it says, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. We can't take that in our vernacular where it's like, you know, that time you didn't witness. It truly means, like, if you deny me before men, I will deny you. If you deny me, meaning I don't exist, I'm not real, okay? So anyway, when I'm saved, it gives me a position in Christ. When I'm baptized into the body, I'm, I've got a position. It will never be taken away from you unless you deny the Father, and then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Secondly, water baptism gives us the opportunity for profession of faith. Now, uh, you see people doing this all the time with their relationship with people. If this is you in the, in the um, room today, I'm not ju- I, 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 I might be judging you, but I'm not condemning you. Um, but, I mean, I had family members, my own, my brothers did it, my sister, one of my sisters did it, where they lived with a guy before they got married. Some of them, they lived with them and never got married with them. Well, what is that? It is a... Uh, you're living as a married couple, but you aren't living in covenant as a couple. And so 
what happens when we come down that aisle, when we put a ring on it. You are, you are coming into relationship and you are, you are making a public profession that I will only love you. I will be monogamous to you. You are the only man or woman I ever want to be with. And I want all of these people that came here to know it. We wear that ring. I don't wear one uh, on my fingers because I'm allergic to a lot of metals. And, but, you know, we typically will wear that ring on our finger. That is a public profession of our, our faith in our marriage. And that's what baptism is. It gives us an opportunity to profess to the world that we are his. We have been erkumide. We have been uh, solidly, uh, firmly planted, endorsed by God himself. And then I want to mention this to you. In a few weeks, we're going to have a water baptism. And this might be something that you've never thought of. But in that baptism service, I'm going to get baptized again. Pastor, why would you do that? Because I want to. I just want to renew my vow to him. Uh, Cheryl and Dean do something every few years that I, I think is so beautiful. How often do y'all do it, Dean? Every five years. Um, every five years, they and I've had the privilege, at least I know, to do it once or twice. I can't remember. But they renew their wedding vows every five years. They just do a, a simple little ceremony where they renew their covenant, their commitment to one another. And I'm just going to renew my commitment and covenant to the Lord. If you haven't been baptized, if you've uh, been baptized and gotten away from the Lord and you want to strengthen your relationship, and, or you just want to say, man, I just want everybody to know I'm all in. I want you to consider doing that. I heard somebody say one time, well, that's just weird. Why is it weird? Where in the Bible does it say that we can only be baptized one time? We profess our faith on a regular basis every week when we come in here. That's just a special outward way of doing it. And there's at least one example in the Bible where people got baptized twice. Where is it? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you here in just a few minutes. I'm trying to finish up so that we can go home. But spirit baptism... So I'm talking to you about these three, salvation, water baptism, and spirit baptism gives us the power to live righteously. And it's found in all four of the Gospels. The first three are the synoptic Gospels. That means that they're synonymous. They cover the same material. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they start with the birth of Jesus and then they, they jump over to year three and they only cover the third year of Jesus' ministry. But John is a gospel. Gospels are just the stories in Scripture that tell about Jesus' life. John is a little different. John, he writes these, his book after, you know, after the, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he looks at it and, and he, Holy Spirit says, I want you to write about the first two years of his ministry. So there's things in John that aren't in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so in all three of these, there uh, all four of those Gospels, there are three basic doctrines that are taught to the body of Christ. Where Jesus said, go back to Matthew chapter 3, where I was telling you. Jesus, he, John's saying, listen, I, I need to be baptized of you. Like, what do you, what do you, and what did Jesus say? He said, listen, it's, this has to be done in order to do things the right way. 
to prove the righteousness of God. And so he says he has to be saved, the believer. Jesus didn't need to be saved. He was salvation. You follow me? But for us, the believer, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of water baptism, the doctrine of spirit baptism. These are the things that we as believers should do because it's to do righteously. It's, there's a right way of doing things in the body of Christ. Do you have to be water baptized to go to heaven? Absolutely not. We know that because the thief on the cross. Jesus said, you'll be with me this very day in paradise. And he didn't have an opportunity to be baptized. But what he did that day, I'm telling you what. He, there's, there may be others in history that we don't know about, but we at least know of one. And that one, he made as public a proclamation and special, more so than anybody else. And I'd rather, I don't know about you, I'd rather profess him in water than on the cross. But he made a profession of faith to everybody there watching, and it was recorded for all eternity in the Word. And so these doctrines are all taught in Scripture. So let's look at what a few people said, and I'm going to rush through these. So what did Jesus have to say? In Acts chapter 1, you've already, you've already read this with me earlier this morning. Jesus said that he didn't want us to leave them to leave Jerusalem because he's going to send the gift the Father promised. And he said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, he endorsed spirit baptism. He said, it's important that you go and that this power is going to come upon you. So there's a power that comes upon us. This is what Jesus said. He said, you need to be baptized in the Spirit. And not only do you need to be, but when you are, that dunamis supernatural power is going to come upon you. All right, so what did Peter say? Peter was among the men who, at, on the day of Pentecost, this guy who was just, you know, uh, denying Jesus a few days before, all of a sudden, the power of God comes upon him because he's baptized, and now Peter is standing up preaching to 3,000 folks plus, 3,000 plus folks. And he preached with such a fervor and, a, and a, uh, a charisma that these people gave their lives to the Lord. And this is what he said. He said, what's going to happen is that you need, each of you need to repent. That is John's baptism. That's the baptism, salvation. That's a, a baptism into the body of Christ. Are you following me? So he's saying, you got to get saved first of all. Once you get saved from your sins and you turn to God, then be baptized in water in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you'll receive power when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's a beautiful thing. He says this promises to you and your children and, your, and those far away and anyone that has been called by the Lord our God. And then I've got three more that I want to share with you. These all from the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 19, Paul, he is going to Ephesus, all right? And while he's in Ephesus, he comes upon some believers, some disciples, but I want you to pay attention. He says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. 
on the coast where he found several believers. So these are people with some degree of faith in Christ. He says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? In other words, did you receive a spirit baptism when you believed? He asked. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So you understand. They had somebody come through. This evangelist came through, tells them about Jesus, and breezes on to the next town. They just got a portion of the picture. The evangelist didn't tell them, you know, just like he can't, you can't preach everything in one message, you know. He's like, he, he didn't get to tell them that. And they said, so this is what he says. He says, then what baptism have you experienced, they asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. In other words, they repented. Listen to me real quick. Repentance and salvation are different. They were believers you got to pay attention. I'm not saying you're not, but this is so deep that you, if it will slip you if you don't pay attention. Like, they were believers in what John said. They repented. Because John said, repent and be baptized. Repentance is not salvation. Are you following me? For the one or two percent that aren't, you can repent. Repent simply means, I was doing this, but I'm not going to do that anymore. People who don't know Jesus repent all the time. It's just what you, what's the motive behind your repentance. So what they did is John comes along and says, you need to stop, you brood of vipers, you sinners. You need to stop living that way. You need to... Start acting right and godly. Well, they already had a code of godliness. It was called the mitzvah. Or it was called the, uh, the Ten Commandments. They already had that. So they, they had a code of conduct. But then there's one coming that's coming with an with a updated version. And, and so he says, verse 4. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And this is what he says. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Are you following? Stop. Wait, wait, wait. They were already baptized in the guy who we learned about water baptism. They had already, it's like they had already been water baptized. But when they heard this, they're like, oh, we just gave our public proclamation of faith to, to, in, in the baptism of repentance. But now we're going to get baptized because there's more that we know. And they were baptized a second time. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Spirit baptism. The Holy Spirit came. Anybody remember what that Greek word was? Erkumai. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Erkumai. He endorsed them. He peeled back that portal of heaven and says, Hey, these guys right down here, they are mine. I officially endorse them. I'm showing up personally. I'm establishing them. And there were about... Oh, and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. This is... There's a Greek word there for tongues called glossolalia. It's a phenomenon. There's a book 
out. It's an old, old book called the Glossolalia Phenomenon. It, the Greek word means it's a language, but we don't know what it is. Like it's, it's not man-made. It's not, a, it's not a human language. And so that's the word there. They spoke in something that was like nobody knows that. So that's where that heavenly language comes in. And there are about 12 men in all. So hopefully today, as we're getting ready to leave, you can see that Jesus baptizes me. He baptizes you with the same, with the same power that the Father baptized him with. I know this has been a little more academic of a message than I typically preach. But there's so much meat there. And I want you to see that there is a uh, progression in the faith. So say this with me. Jesus baptizes me with the same power the Father baptized him with. That means that I, put your name in there, Rife has the same power and authority of Christ. So how can you, how can you activate this today, guys? Three, way, three ways. One, evaluate where you are in your spiritual journey. Where are you on that continuum? Have you been saved? If not, you had an opportunity this morning. You got one right now. If you've been saved, where are you in your proclamation of faith? Do people know it? Have you made a public water baptism profession of faith? Have you been empowered? Have you been spirit baptized? Are you walking in that power? Are you walking in that authority? And I think all of us in this room today could probably agree that we're all at different places in our relationship uh, or, or growth in our relationship. I would say the second thing that you can do after you evaluate it, because look, up there, every one of us knows probably where we are on that and it, there's no shame. You are where you are. You know what I'm saying? You are where you are. There's no shame. If you haven't been water baptized, then commit to taking your next step. Commit to getting baptized. Pastor, I'm going to tell you what. I didn't get baptized as a kid until I was probably, I'm thinking, 20-ish. I had been a Christian for five years, and I wanted to get baptized. I got saved when I was 15. I wanted to get baptized at 16, but I was scared because I didn't understand it. And I didn't even know if I was going to stick with this whole Jesus thing that long. And then 16 years old comes along, and 17 year old comes along. And by this time, I know about it. I'm not afraid of it anymore, but now I'm embarrassed that I've been a Christian for three years and I've seen baptism services come and go and I hadn't done it and I should already be baptized. So I let, I let it sh uh, uh, being ashamed get to me. And I'm going to tell you what. Um, don't let any of those get a hold of you. Commit to whatever your next step is. And the third thing is this. Commit to growing in the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, I know we're out of time today. We had an incredible time in Holy Spirit and worship this morning. But I'm going to ask you, today, do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
today you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't really care what you've been taught before. And I don't care uh, about all of that. What I care about is what does the Bible say? And how does this take place? And in every instance, they were different. Jesus came up out of the water and he was baptized. He was baptized at his water baptismal. Nobody laid hands on him to receive it. God just baptized him. In some of them, people had their hands laid on them. In some of them, they didn't. And they were just there in the room. And God came in and they were just baptized. But man tries to put all of these different, you know, uh, obstacles and ingredients and every it's got to be done this way listen I'm going to tell you how it's going how, how it happens is you just say God I want to receive your spirit I want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit and it does not matter how you feel it doesn't matter I didn't feel anything I was waiting for something because I've seen everybody else that ever got baptized respond that way listen it doesn't matter you receive and that's how it happens And then, once you receive the baptism, you have to say, God, I'm going to commit to growing in this gift. You cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then not do anything with that.